Hey Jexiteers, thanks again for stopping by. If you're new to the channel, my name is Riley and I'm a former Jehovah's Witness. And today I have the pleasure of interviewing Kathy. Kathy is a former Jehovah's Witness who was raised in the religion, but woke up in 2015 and managed to leave the organization with her entire family. And she'd like to share her story with us. Kathy, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you. So how are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? Yeah, I'm great. Thank you. Good. So uh, we've been connected for a little while on Twitter mm -hmm. and uh, I've been following your tweets for, for some time. And I found, um, you, I mean, every now and again, you give little snippets of your history in the organization and I found it really interesting. So I just thought it would be great to get you on to the channel to share your story. Okay. Tell me a little bit about your background, how you became a Jehovah's Witness. Uh, I mean, were you born into it or were you um, converted through the ministry? Um, actually, I was born into it. Um, my parents became witnesses in 1974. My mom came in first. My dad wasn't really interested, but he was so in love with my mom that he decided he was going to come in for her. So me and my siblings were all born in and raised in it. So what was your life like as a child um, being a Jehovah's Witness? Actually, as a child, it wasn't too bad because um, we were in a congregation where there were a lot of young people. We happened to be there. Um, the first couple of congregations, we moved around a lot. But by the time I became 10, 9 or 10, we moved to an area uh, up north. And it was a lot of young people, even in our neighborhood. It was called it was known as Witness Neighborhood because almost every block there was a witness. So growing up, it wasn't as bad. Um, we had lots of gatherings, um, lots, of, lots of get togethers. Um, our congregation was really good about having things for the young ones in the congregation. So we had a lot of picnics, um, a lot of go and things of that nature. Um, as far as the organizational part, I 100% fully believed it. It was not, I didn't feel like I was coerced into it. In my heart, I believed that Jehovah was real and the organization was real. So I absolutely was a 100% believer. Yeah, I can, I can identify a lot with what you said because um, the same is true of me. I mean, I was 100% a believer as well, mm -hmm. right, into, into adulthood. And um, as far as my childhood goes, I mean, there were a few times where I felt, you know, like I was missing out, but it was never really a huge part of my experience. I mean, um, both my mother and the congregations that I was in as a young person made made up for a lot of that, you know. Right. Um, we had, there was always activities for young young people. Mm -hmm. um, so I didn't really feel like, I didn't feel that pull towards the world. Right. So to speak, out, of a, out of a sense of um, missing out. But that did change when I left school and started college when I was around uh, 16. So what okay. was that time period like for you? Um, 16 was tough for mm. me. Um, I got baptized right after I turned 12. Um, I turned, I, my, my birthday is in December. So, and the assembly, the circuit assembly I got baptized at was in January. And I was always proud of that. I was writing in my Bible, you know, January 19th, 1991, the day I got baptized, but I had mm -hmm. just turned 12. But by the time I got 16, there were things I wanted to do um, academically and athletically 
and create creatively that I wasn't able to do. Um, so I started questioning things. Like I said, the doctrine I never questioned, but I didn't like that I couldn't go to school. I couldn't pursue the things I love to do. And I didn't understand why I had to do those things. So everything was good up until around 16. And because even though I believe the doctrine, I didn't understand why I had to adhere to these really strict bylaws about everything else. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How did that make you feel? Confused, angry, frustrated, because I believed it was the truth, you know, but I just didn't understand what this had to do with anything. My parents were on the extreme side. So there wasn't a lot of leeway. We were the every Sunday, every Tuesday, every Thursday, service every Saturday, watchtower every Saturday afternoon. It was very, very by the book. My dad was an elder. My mom was a pioneer. So it just felt really, really trapped pretty much. Yeah, that, that couldn't have been easy. Um, so um, how did things progress from your like mid, late teens up into adulthood? Okay, so graduated high school and I didn't really do anything. I worked actually because I went to um, a place called Votech in high school where half the day was in school and the other half the day was doing um, a special course, which was business information processing. So I would go to off campus and I was taking typing classes and business classes. And I actually worked in the um, nursing program as a secretary. So when I got out of school, I decided I wanted to be a legal secretary. So instead of going to school for it, I just hunted around till I got a job and I finally got a job. So I started working at 17 in a law firm full time. Also going to the Kingdom Hall and doing all my duties there. Fast forward to 19, I needed more money. I didn't want to be in my household anymore. I felt like my growth was being stunted. Mm. And so I didn't tell my parents this at the time, but what I did is I told them I wanted to go to college. And my dad said to me, well, you don't need to go to college. I said, well, I kind of want to go because I need, I need more money. I need to make more money. So they didn't help me out. They, they didn't have the money at the time. So I got student loans and I went to college for paralegal studies. Um, Let's see. Yeah, I went to college with paralegal, but at that time, fast forward to me being 20, I had enough money to move out. And so I had a conversation with my parents. I said, listen, I was giving them money voluntarily. So I told them, I said, I'm going to cut back in half what I'm giving you so I can move out on my own. And I told my mom this first. She was fine. Got to my dad and he said, well, are you getting married? I said, no. He says, well, you don't need to move out. That didn't go over well. So I ended up uh, moving out that weekend into a girlfriend of mine at her place until I got my own place um, a few months later. At that time, I did have a period of where I didn't go to the hall. I was inactive, um, lived my life, being worldly, if you will, uh, for a couple of years. Um, so that's pretty much how my late teens, early twenties went. So you're, you're married. Yes. Uh, and you married another Jehovah's witness. Yes. Yeah, so how did, how did that happen? How did you meet him? Okay. So my, my girlfriend at the time, she was from where I'm from and she moved here to Georgia and she married a man that was best friends with my now husband. So they wanted to hook us up because they right. thought we'd be a good match together. So we fought it and we said, okay, we'll go ahead and meet up. 
we met up, hit it off, and that's how we ended up getting married. That's how I met him, through her. So was this during the, the time when you were inactive or had you started going back to the meetings at this time? Mm, good question. No, I had started going back to the meetings at this time. I uh, felt guilty about uh, being out. I hadn't done any research. I was just living my life. So of course that guilt came back in. I don't want to die at Armageddon. Jehovah's mm. going to kill me. My parents are going to be so disappointed. I need to come back. So I came back after a couple of years and actually started pioneering once I got back. Um, and so I met him during during that time period. Wow. So you'd um, made some strides spiritually then if you if you managed <laughs> to get to the point where you're actually pioneering. Yes. Managed to turn it around. Yeah. yeah. And I thought that saved, at that time, I thought that saved my life. I, I remember getting on the phone with my dad like, Satan's trying to get me. He's trying to take me down. He got me on the ropes, you know, and my dad's like, well, you're doing the right thing. You're pioneering. And um, yeah, I met him during that time period. Was your husband also um, born into the organization? He was also born in. Um, we, we had some struggles to get married, not to get married, but uh, on my end, not on his end, because he was a, a regular publisher. You know, he was a ministerial servant or elder. And being that I was a pioneer, my dad, my mom, my grandma were all pioneers. My dad was also an elder. He was also a secretary. So they were not happy that I was not marrying someone of status. Mm. But what I said to them was, well, you know what? He loves Jehovah. He loves me. That's all that matters. And so that is how that went. So when did it all start to go wrong or go right, depending on how you look at it? <laughs> uh, well, let's see. I started having a lot of questions in 2007. That's when my mom and my mom and my girl both passed that year, 2007. And people were saying, oh, you know, they're in Jehovah's hands. I'm like, I don't want to hear about Jehovah right now. You know, my mom's gone. My grandmom's gone. My mom died in February. My grandma died in December. Like, I don't want to hear about this. None of this is helping me or giving me any solace. So I stuffed it down. You know, I I said to myself, I've got to get to the other side to see her. I put those doubts away to make sure I saw her in paradise. Mm -hmm. But things really started going down when I had my, my second son. We had relocated to um, a different city and we didn't really know anybody. And so I had a lot of time to just sit and think. I wasn't, uh, what do you call it, calling in. I wasn't calling into the meetings. Mm. I wasn't going to the meetings because I was a stay-at-home mom at this point. I had stopped working at this point. And they were coming up on school age and I'm like, I don't know if I want them to go through what I went through. You know, with the strict routine, not having holidays, even though I didn't feel like I missed it, I still knew it wasn't something I liked. So that's pretty much when things started to unravel for me. How did you take that further? Did you start doing research or was it just a matter of that uh, you didn't feel that the witness lifestyle was really a good fit for you and your family? Both, both. Right. Um, I was feeling guilty about waking my babies up at seven o'clock to go to the kingdom hall when they were taking a nap. I felt guilty about them crying in the back of the kingdom hall at 930 
And people asking me, oh, what's wrong with them? Like, well, they're babies if they want to go to sleep. So it was, those things were happening. I was having a mental breakdown at the time. I didn't know it, but I know it now. I was losing it. I think it was a cognitive dissonance because I was having a lot of negative thoughts about the organization and spending my life with them in paradise. I'm like, I just don't want any of this. So I made that decision, you know, that faithful, shaky decision to get on the laptop and just start researching. And once I started, everything just unraveled. And what was that experience like for you? Because certainly for me, the very first time that I, you know, gave myself permission to research the organization, I had a full on anxiety attack. I mean, like mm-hmm. heart palpitations, sweating, yeah. hand shaking. And mm-hmm. from what I've, you know, heard through speaking to a lot of former witnesses, that's a common thing. Did you experience something similar? I experienced all of that, mm. every single thing. I was scared to death. You know, we're yeah. talking scared. So I'm like, what am I going to find out? You know, when I when I found that the first, doctrinally, I didn't really have the issue. You know, I was more emotionally connected to the congregation, to the to the religion. So when the first thing I saw was United Nations, that was the mm. first thing I came across on GW Facts. And once I went and cross-referenced it, I was like, oh my goodness, the bubble popped just like that. All it takes is one lie. Yeah. And then everything starts to unravel. Yeah. And then I just started the, I'm sure I've heard before everyone else, just YouTube video after YouTube video, JW Facts breaking it all down and and the rest is history, I guess you could say. Mm. So what channels did you watch while you were um, watching the XJW videos? At that time, I came across Kim and Mikey, um, Cora, and uh, I can't forget her husband. Remember her Mark. Thank you, Mark and Cora, um, XJW, Critical uh, Thinker, JT, and Lady C. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, John Cedars, of course, came across him. Um, those are my initial videos. Oh, there's another one, um, Marcus Vaughn, the ex Oh, yeah. Yeah. Him. And so just taking all the information from those videos and I have a binder that's like this thick, full of notes. Wow. I, because I had to remind myself of why I was leaving because I was very, very, very emotionally connected. And so I said, I need to remind myself of why I'm leaving. So I'm a researcher by nature, which is kind of ironic that I went to college and didn't research my religion. But um, so I just had all those facts written down and yeah. Then I had to bring it to my husband. That was a difficult part. When I was uh, first started doing research, I, I came across so many. It, actually, initially, the, the things that I was finding out were more about debunking the doctrine and showing mm-hmm. that it's not the truth. Right. But every now and again, I would come across something that absolutely shocked me, absolutely shocked me to the core. Was, was there anything like that for you? Two things, actually. That Jesus wasn't our mediator. I was completely floored at Mm. that because I thought that's absolutely true. The cult factor Mm. shocked me because when I I woke up, I didn't recognize it as a cult yet. I just knew that the doctrines weren't right. As I got into the research a little deeper and I saw the bite model from Steve, is it Hassan, Hassan? Hassan, yeah. Hassan. I said, oh 
my gosh, we were in a cult. And that was a whole nother level of mm. denial and disbelief and anger and anxiety and grief, you know, because it's not even anything about God at all. It's just some men trying to control you. So that was also shocking to me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the things that I found uh, most shocking were Rutherford's letter to Hitler. When I found out about when I found out about that, I I literally cried for two days straight. Wow! I cried for two days straight because I was like, the witnesses are always always um, throwing punches at the Catholics. Mm -hmm. All all manner of things. Right. But one of the biggest things is is the fact that you know the their relationship with the with the um, German government during during World War Two, right? And when I found out about Rutherford trying to you know curry favor with, mm -hmm. with Hitler and his regime, I was like, the witnesses are no different than anyone else. I'd already woken up by that time, but. I was still under the illusion that, okay, it's not the truth, but it's still unique. Right, you know? right. I was still under that illusion, but that just came crashing down. I think the Royal Commission also got me. That was another thing. Yeah. I was already awoke at that time, but I had no idea about the child abuse in the organization. Yeah. I didn't even know that was a thing. And just me remember neither. how much they would demonize every other religion for their child abuse. Yeah. How rough. Yet here they are with one on the on the grand stage in Australia. So that was another big blow for me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, me too. And seeing um Jeffrey Jackson lie <laughs> under oath at Both the Australian Royal Commission. Yes. I was I was outraged watching him say, yeah. Oh, we don't have fellowship for this. Oh no, they can celebrate Holly as long as they're not practicing. I was like, What? That's not true at all. And, and when he said, um, oh, that would be presumptuous to say that we're the only spokesman, that mm -hmm. I nearly fell off my chair. It was mm -hmm. like, what religion are you talking about? Because it's not the one I was raised in. Right. That's exactly what you all say. Exactly. <laughs> Outright. Outrightly, that's what they say. Yep. You know, so you're either lying to the commission or lying to us. Mm -hmm. Either and way, you're a liar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. credit warfare, as they call it. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. But that was extremely shocking to me. Mm -hmm. um, did Did you um Did you ever research the reason why the witnesses stopped charging for the literature? No, I did not. Oh goodness me! <laughs> That's a whole other <laughs> kind of worms. I'm have to research that now. Yeah. I, I remember when they stopped, and really, I think they capped off at fifty cents. For the magazines mm -hmm. and i remember when he stopped but i never researched why they stopped um i'll, I'll let you find it out yourself but just okay. briefly it's to do with a lawsuit between jimmy swagger do you remember jimmy swagger that televangelist yes yes it was to do with a lawsuit between him and um the state of florida okay yeah it's, it's got to do that well, I, I, I won't give you any more spoilers but that, no spoilers. That's okay. <laughs> okay yeah so uh, after you've done your research um, and you, you, you know, you thoroughly debunked the religion and you, you realize now that, th that this wasn't the truth. And then later on, you had another realization that you were actually in a cult. Yes. Um, how did you 
decide to to plan your your exit from the organization um i'll be honest i didn't really have a plan mm. I really, i'll be honest i did not have a plan i'm one of those people where if something's wrong i'm out yeah and i'll worry about it later right and that's pretty much what happened like i said my husband was ecstatic i kind of baby fed because at this point, I had convinced him it was the best thing to do. And he was going on like he was all into religion. He had me fooled, but he was doing it for, for me. So he was wow. going on and he was getting up before me to get ready for the meetings. He was, you know, commenting and everything like that. And one day I just said, if you could leave with all your friends intact, would you leave? He was like, yeah, I'd leave. At this point, I was watching videos. When he'd come home, I would shut them down because mm -hmm. I didn't know where his head was at yet, you know? And then one day I said, I just said, I just gotta tell you, babe, I don't believe this is the truth. I just don't believe it. And he was like, What? You? Because I was so devout mm. that it was a shock to even him. I had even him fooled that I was having doubts. So the plan was we were gonna fade. That was the plan. That lasted literally one assembly and one meeting. Wow. Because we didn't want our my three-year-old is was very intuitive at the time. Mm. He was already knowing birthdays are bad, you know, Christmas is bad, all that kind of stuff. So we want to get him out and deprogram him as fast as possible. So we decided we didn't want to expose him to any more of the meetings. So I remember we were in the meeting, it was a Sunday, and we left. And I looked, we got in the car. It was a really quiet walk to the car. And I looked over at him and I said, We're not coming back, are we? He was like, No. And that was it. And we were done. Mm. So um, this was 2015. Um, 15. So the assembly, you said one meeting, one assembly. Was the assembly the convention? The assembly was a convention, the um, summer convention. Right, right. It was the 2015 convention. Was that the, the Be Courageous one? Yes. Videos. I believe it was the Be Courageous. Yeah. I'm yeah. not positive because I like kind of block all that stuff out. But I think it was. And we only went because, ironically, I was ready to be done with it. Mm. But he said, well, my mom's going to be there. My sister's going to be there. All our friends are going to be there. I don't want to just up and leave right now. Let's just kind of try to fade out. I was like, yo, I'm ready to go. Mm. He was like, well, let's just go ahead and fade out. So we went. We didn't wear our badges. Our kids didn't wear suits. So we were kind of making like an informal statement that we were done. Mm. Mm. What was it like after, you know, leaving the kingdom hall for the very last time it was weird you know it was scary um it was freeing at the same time and at this point no one else knew yet we hadn't told anyone yet this was just mm. us and our circle we hadn't figured out how to tell everyone yet so it was just kind of like a moment for us to catch our breath and just trying to figure out our next steps because he said when we tell my mom i know my mom she's not going to talk to us you know, he said, I hope not, but that's what's going to happen. Um, I had two, I had really just two close friends. I was, I was, had a lot of associates, you know, a lot of other moms and stuff like that, but I just had really two close friends that I had to tell and figure that out. And that wasn't easy to do either. So what was their reaction when you eventually told them? Well, I told my closest girlfriend at the time first, she had, I think she had figured something was going on with me because she I wasn't really responding to her news about good things happening in the congregation. I like kind of just 
wasn't saying anything. So we had a conversation. And at first I told her, I was, I told her my doubts. And I got scared and backed and backtracked from them and said, you know what? She said, I go to this pray to Jehovah. I said, you know what? You know what? You're right. I prayed to Jehovah. And you know, I'm back now, blah, blah, blah. But a couple months later, I was like, I can't fake this. I don't believe it anymore. And that was a bad conversation. It was not yeah. good. Um, she couldn't believe that I wanted to leave. She was trying to preach me back in, trying to convince me to stay. I remember telling her that uh, my anxiety had lifted because we had a conversation before and I told her, I was like, I don't know what's going on. I'm having problems. So, oh, just pray to Jehovah. So I said, aren't you happy for me? I said, aren't you happy that now I feel better? She was like, no, I'm not happy for you. She said, because your happiness doesn't come from Jehovah. So I'm not happy for you. Wow. Okay. I, that was interesting. And the other friend that I told, she just said, okay, thanks for telling me and just immediately cut me off. Mm -hmm. Stop following me on Twitter, stopped Facebook, stopped texting me, everything. She just disappeared. That must be hard. Very hard because I had insulated myself because I became a stay-at-home mom. So I didn't have a connection to anyone else but witnesses by this point. They were my mm -hmm. whole social structure yeah you know um so it was very if, and i had like babies you know i had like teeny tiny babies need help and it was very hard to deal with very what, very about, what about your witness family what's the situation like with them okay so i want to have one of my brothers is in he's the only one left and he's been shining me since 2016. um my dad is out and my other two brothers are out. Most of my family, my mom's side, are not witnesses. I have one aunt and a cousin that are in that are shunning me, but we're not that close, so that doesn't affect me that much. And my dad doesn't have anyone who's in. So I'm able to be in contact with them, but my brother shunning me is the one that, you know, sucks pretty bad. Yeah. What about your husband's family? Um, his mom is in, his dad is not a witness. His mom is in and his sister is in. He has a couple of siblings that are kind of, you know, I don't want to talk on, on their part, but his mom and his sister definitely are in. And they talk to us, you know, when we call them, you know, it's, they don't reach out to us as much. But if we call them, they'll talk to us, you know, we'll go hang out and stuff like that. Um, his mom did shun us for a little bit at first when we first told her, but she eventually came around. Mm -hmm. So um, are you worried that um, if any of your um, in-laws or your family who are still witnesses see this video, what, what their reaction to it will be? Mm, I get a little bit, but you know, it's my story. Yeah. You know, and my thing is like, I don't want to play by their rules. I'm not a witness anymore. Even though I'm not disfellowshipped or disassociated, I'm not a witness anymore. And I'm not going to be scared of reactions or what they may see or who they may tell. I just don't care at this point anymore. I'm just living my life at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know exactly what that's like, what that's like. Um so when I recorded my first video, I ha actually had it on my channel as an unlisted video for quite some time before I made it public. Wow. Okay. Because I I was, you know, I had that same kind of, you know, trepidation. Mm -hmm. Wondering how it's gonna affect uh, you know former friends and family who are still witnesses. Right. I, I thought to myself, 
the thing is, as a, as a witness, you're 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 taught to put yourself last in absolutely everything, mm-hmm. and that's not healthy. It absolutely right. is not healthy. I mean, it is possible to strike a balance between caring about other people and caring about yourself, but the way the organisation presents it is as if it has to be one or the other. It's it's so extreme. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought to myself, why am I letting other people's feelings, people who are pretending that I'm dead, right? <laughs> why am I letting their feelings dictate what I do with my life? That doesn't make any sense. Right. I yeah. agree. So I decided to just just make it public, you know, bite the bullet and just just do it. I think there's a time with all of us who are in a situation we're in where you're just like, enough is enough. Yeah. I can't live here anymore. I have to let it go. I have to live or else you might as well just go back in. Exactly. Might as well just go back in there if you're going to live like that. Exactly. And I, refuse, and I refuse to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you feel now? Um, you've So you've been out for quite some time now, about six mm-hmm. years. Mm-hmm. What, what are things like for you now? Uh, difficult. <laughs> But I'm navigating. I don't want to be dishonest and say, oh, it's all great. You know, um, it's definitely hard realizing what life is actually like and the work you actually have to put in to maintain. Um, We when I had our kids, we were in the cult. So it was easy. Had the kids, raise them to be good witnesses, get to paradise. Now it's like I have to raise two kids (laughs) like for real now. So I'm just doing a lot of research on that, um, trying to get my niche and what it is that I want to do because I came out when I was 37. You know, that's like all my life. So I'm like starting all over at 37. Obviously I'm not 37 now, but trying to figure out what it is I want to do and everything like that. But if the best part is freedom, you know, like one day out is better than the whole time in. That's how I like to put it. Absolutely. What's the thing you enjoy the most about not being witness anymore? Not going to the Kingdom Hall. (laughs) (laughs) Just having the freedom to speak my mind and be myself because I realized when I came out, I'm a vastly different person. Complete Mm. opposite of who I was when I was in. 110%. And embracing that change, acknowledging who I am and owning myself, you know, and not being apologetic for who I am. That to me is is the big payoff. And having my husband's support is huge because I quite I said, should I do this video? Should I do it? And he was like, babe, go ahead. You know, he said, don't worry about it. I was like, because I was worried what he was going to think because it's his mom, you know, that we were concerned about. And he was like, go ahead, no worries, I got you back. So we've actually gotten a lot better since coming out. Our marriage has gotten better mm-hmm. since coming out. We've gotten a lot closer since coming out and we realize it's okay not to agree on everything or believe the same thing because we're two different people and that's completely normal. Yeah. So just mindset, just mindset is healthier. That's that's great. That's great to hear. Mm -hmm. One of the things I enjoy the most is free time. Yes. Right. (laughs) Honestly. I mean, so I, I didn't disassociate. I was disfellowshipped. Okay. But shortly after I was disfellowshipped, it, it really, really hit me just how much free time I had from not going to the meetings anymore. Yeah. You know, it, it was just, it was crazy. I literally did not know what to do with myself. 
I had all this free time. The days seem to just carry on for ages. Mm-hmm. You know, I was looking at my watch like, is it only that time? <laughs> you know? Right. Because you're so busy. Yeah. Yeah. You're so busy every second of the day. Exactly. Exactly. And just having that time to just think, mm-hmm. you know, it's right. in- invaluable. It's absolutely it is. invaluable. And I think that's why I'm so grateful. I'm grateful for my kids in general, but to me, they woke me up. Mm. You know, they literally woke me up. It started with my husband because he wasn't a real witnessy, witnessy guy, which I loved. Cause I was like, I don't want to marry a witnessy, witnessy guy. No, thank you. So the fact that he was kind of like, whatever about it. Okay. I'll go with, I'll go with that. That, that works. Yeah. So we have that and then have my kids not be sure if I want them to be raised in it. It's just like the perfect storm to wake mm. up, mm. you know? And I asked my dad, I said, why didn't you tell me when I, when I came out and I called him and told him, I said, Hey, I don't believe this anymore. He's like, well, you're a smart girl. I knew you'd figure it out eventually. Wow. That's what I said. I was like, Oh, okay. And my brother and they were like, we're just waiting for you to come out. We knew, we knew it was coming eventually. So to me, that meant that that felt good. Mm. You know, to know they had confidence that I was going to be able to fit, to figure it out on my own. Yeah. I mean, I found that there are certain personality traits where if you're a witness and you have these traits, you're not going to last in the organization for very long. Yes. Yes. You know, and, and one of those traits is, is being inquisitive and, you know, asking questions or if you have a, in, you know, speaking personally from my own experience, having a very, very strong sense of individuality, mm-hmm. you know, all yes. of those traits. I mean, if you have those, <laughs> you know, your days in the organization are numbered. <laughs> it's only a matter of time. Only a matter of time. Yeah. yeah. And that's what it was. I pushed back on a lot of things in the organization, not doctrinally, but just personally, like why they need to mm. my business? Why can I do this? Like some, I, and my dad would be like, you ask too many questions. Stop asking so many questions. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's just nature, if that's how you are. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. And um, how does your husband feel now about being out of the organization? Oh, he loves it. Yeah. He loves everything about it. He wears his beard, mm. he doesn't have to shave. He can just relax and be himself. He's a lot much more calmer now, because um, he was depressed. You know, it's not. It's, it's really hard on everyone who's in there. You know, especially if it's not your thing. And he said he never felt like he belonged mm. in there. He said he never thought it was a truth. He just did it because he thought that's what he had to do. Yeah. Yeah. So he's yeah. much much happier now. Yeah. Uh, m- my experience is kind of similar to your husband's. I mean, I always believed it was the truth. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, the way I described it to an elder once is that I feel like the truth is like a job that I really want, like the perfect job. I see right. this job advertised in the paper and I really want this job. But then when I look at the list of requirements, I'm like, well, I don't meet that. I don't meet that. <laughs> so I never felt like I measured up to it, even though I wanted it. Okay. You know, that, that That's how I felt being being in the organization i just felt that you know i I never ever quite wasn't i was never suited to it okay yeah that's 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 pretty much him same thing yeah 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 but now i don't have to be (laughs) exactly you have to worry about it now you're Mm. done (laughs) that's right and and 
having those kind of feelings long term about something that makes up such a huge part of your life that in itself is a huge cause of depression and anxiety yeah if you, i know it certainly was for me you know it's especially when i started um being disillusioned with the religion because there was there was a there was a period of about a good year where i was going to the meetings but i was only there in body i wasn't wow. paying attention you know i was kissing my teeth when certain brothers got on the platform <laughs> i was like <laughs> <laughs> I got caught doing that out loud a couple of times and I didn't even realize I was doing it you know, oh, no. I was doing it unconsciously you know so that's where my head was at and goodness me I was so depressed I was so depressed oh. throughout that whole time yeah I'm so sorry I had to go through that and it's just like such a common thing Ugh. it's so common that's the yeah. thing so so common mm-hmm I think, you know, the saying that it has to get worse before it gets better. I think it takes going through something like that to finally pull you out. You know, to you, you, you get to a point where it's where it's make or break. Yeah. And, some, and something has to give. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And that's kind of what happened. I was like, I just I can't live for other people anymore. I can't mm -hmm. stay in. And once the logic of. I think for me, once I let go of the whole fact of not seeing my mom again, I was able to let it all go because that mm. was the only thing that had me drive deeper in at that point. And once I let that go, I said, you know what? Forget it. They're not going to talk to me. Not going to talk to me. I'm I'm awful right now. So how much worse can it be? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how do you cope with the realization that there's no resurrection and that this life is all there is? I mean, I, I'm not presuming to to know what you know what your your current beliefs are, but right. the fact that the future, as Jehovah's Witnesses present it, mm -hmm. is not true. How how do you how do you cope with that? Mm. It's easier now. I just kind of take things one day at a time. Mm. You know, I don't try to look too far into the future. Um, I don't try to relive the past. I just try to, I try really hard to live in the present yeah. and just enjoy what I have now because you don't know what's going to happen after yeah. that. You know, the big, it was a big blow though when I did find out that there was no resurrection. I think I cried for like three days mm. because I was like, how evil. I was angry too. It was so evil and so cruel to tell people, oh, you're going to see your loved one again. Knowing it's not true. Mm knowing it's not true and duping everybody into this service by doing that. Yeah. You know, but no, now I'm just like, it is what it is. This is life one day at a time. It, yeah. that's, I don't look too far beyond it anymore. Mm -hmm. I think that's a, that's a really good attitude to have. Um, that's something that my, my girlfriend says to me a lot that, um, because I, I, even up till now, I still struggle with, you know, the realization that I'm not going to live forever, you know. Yeah, that's a hard one. You know, this sense of my own mortality that I have now. That, I mean, I came out of the organization when I was 42. Oh, wow. So, okay. I, I never ever contemplated growing old. Right. You know, it's just something, or, and, and dying. It's just something that uh, that's never occurred to me. But people who aren't brought up in this 
<laughs> in this cult. Yeah. That they have their whole life to get used to the idea that one day they won't be here anymore. Exactly. We don't have that luxury. We don't. We don't have that at all. Mm -hmm. And I, st I still struggle with that. And, um, you know, it takes up a quite a, a quite a large part of of my life. I mean, like I'm I've always been into like fitness. I started okay. bodybuilding when I was 15. Okay. I mean, in, a very, in a very short space of time, I was just huge. <laughs> <laughs> Not so much now, but um, I'm still into health and fitness. But that realization that there's no resurrection, that one day I will die. That's even changed the way that I exercise. You know, yeah. because it's, it's yeah. like I'm trying to hold on to onto my youth as long as I possibly can. <laughs> right. Understandably. Um, Understandably so. Yeah. I mean, it was hard for me at first, but since I have been removed for, you know, a little bit longer, I think, which you came out last year? 2020? Uh, I came out in 2019. 2019. So for me, it's been like six years or so. So I had those moments that you're having. I've had those where I'm yeah. like, oh my God, I'm going to die. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, it's over. Yeah. What am I going to do? And then like that dread, I can't explain the dread. I'm sure you know, it just like washes over you. Mm. And then eventually I just started to let, to let it go, you know? And I did start taking better care of myself because I was not taking care of myself. Cause I'm like, well, you know what? It'll be here any minute. I'm going to be here so I can just chill, yeah. not take care of myself, you know, just do everything for the congregation. And once I came out, got myself together, tried to get my health where it should be. Because they don't teach you to take care of yourself in there either. No. They don't no. care. As long no. as you're a body in the seat, giving yeah. the money, they're, they're happy. That's yeah. all they care about. Exactly. And in the new system, you're going to have a perfect body anyway. So why go to the right. gym? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Fact, I, I, I was counseled from the platform about how much time I spent working out. Kind really? Like, yeah, like low key counsel from the platform by a circuit overseer. Wow. So um, there was a couple of elders in the congregation when I was about 17, 18, while I was still bodybuilding, there was a couple of elders in the congregation who were concerned about how much time I spent working out. So when the circuit overseer came, I'm certain they had a word with him and his last talk was about Samson. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Unbelievable. And, um, you know, he was saying how strong Samson was and all the feats of strength he performed. And he said, but in the end, he lost Jehovah's favor. You know why? <laughs> and then he stared directly at me and he said, because salvation doesn't depend on your physique. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and he was looking directly at me, speaking directly at me from the platform saying this bold yeah yeah but realizing that we're not you know gonna live forever that there is no hope of everlasting life mm -hmm. as as hard as it is to accept initially it also presents an opportunity it also means that you value the time that you have now right much, much more rather than de deferring everything to this future time that is never going to happen Right, right. Agree. Yeah, yeah. That's something that you know my girlfriend is always reminding me of that. Make <laughs> make the most of of what you have now. So and it, it, it does work, you know, that my life now is much more valuable to me. Right. 
much more valuable to me. Um, you know, do you feel a similar thing? I do because it's my life now. It's not just a mm. holding place to get to paradise. Exactly. You know, before it's like, okay, we're just sitting here. This is the holding spot. Yeah. We don't get the real life. Yeah. It's like, no, this is the real life. This is all we get. Yeah. You know, in this realm, in this body, this is all we have. So do it. I mean, it's up to each individual what they want to do with it. But for me, I cherish every moment with my boys. You know, I love just hugging and kissing on them. I love watching their eyes light up. Like, I can't imagine putting them through what we went through as far as being put out of classrooms during like holiday mm -hmm. celebrations. Cruel, you know? So just not living vicariously through them, but appreciating that they don't have to go through what I went through. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. They won't be indoctrinated. They have no memory of even being at the Kingdom Hall at this point in their lives. Mm. You know, they're nine and seven now. So they have no recollection of it. Yeah. So definitely, definitely better. That's great. So that, that chain has been broken. That's, you know. Yes. Yes. That's good. So thank you so much for sharing your experience with me today. I really do appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. <laughs> thank you. And I just wish you all the best for, you know, you and your family for the future. Thank you. Same to you. You and your girlfriend. I hope you guys do well. Thank you. And thank you viewers for watching. If you haven't already done so, please click the like button and subscribe to the channel with notifications so that you get notified of all my future videos. Please proceed to the Jexit in an orderly fashion and I'll see you in the next one. Thank you so much for watching to the very end of the video. If you haven't already done so, please like, leave a comment and subscribe to the channel. If you like my work and want to help me continue doing it, please support me on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash jexit underscore 2020 and with that i'd like to sincerely thank these very special patrons who make these videos possible